0: You are listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. Good morning, Grace. You guys came to worship this morning, man. You guys sound great today. Um, it's been a good, been a good morning. Uh, my name is Sean Rowley. I'm one of the elders here at Grace Community Church. I'm also on the preaching team, and so we're going to get to spend some time together uh, in God's Word this morning, and I'm excited about that. Uh, but before I get into that, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about uh, about me. I wanted to tell you a little bit about myself, you know, get to know me. Most of you, uh, uh, I know I know many of your faces. I know lots of you personally. Some of you are some real close friends of mine. But some of you, uh, I don't know. And, and maybe that's just because you're new or newer here, or maybe we just haven't got acquainted. Uh, but I wanted to tell you the story of how uh, my family and I ended up coming to grace in the first place. Uh, This was back in 2009. Um, We had gone to the same church for, I I think, about 10 years. It was the only church my kids had really ever gone to uh, because they were little at the time. And uh, through uh, just circumstance, a series of events, some stirrings in our heart, we felt like it was time for us to, to leave that church. And so um, we had some great, deep, amazing relationships and connections there. So, so even though we felt like it was time to go, it was also uh, kind of a hard process. Um, and we tried to do it as healthy as we could. We met with the leadership of the church. We explained the reasons for, uh, for us leaving. And then we began the search for uh, finding a new church. Um, and that's a hard process, man. Some of you are in that process right now or you remember when you were in that process before. And so we spent time um, visiting different churches in the area, um, and we, we visited a few. None seemed to really stick or, or just feel like, okay, this is home. We, we, we found our home. And so uh, we really were just kind of still looking. Um, and there was a gentleman that I knew of, uh, did not know him personally, I'd never met him, but I knew of him by... Um, just by his reputation. Uh, other pastors that I would listen to online when I'd listen to them preach would talk about this man. Um, I knew he, uh, of his books, of his writings. I had learned a lot from this guy. Um, this guy's name is Gary Beshears. Uh Yeah, you might have heard of him. Uh, he was our preacher last week, if, if you uh, are wondering who that is. Um, but Gary is one of those guys that I had learned from, that I respected, that I looked up to. And so I, I wanted his input on, on, on maybe helping me find a, a healthy church, but I didn't know him and there was, I didn't really know how to contact him, so I did, the only thing that seemed um, reasonable, I cyberstalked him. Yeah, just Google his name. He even has a Wikipedia page, as it turns out, which I think is pretty cool, um, and I felt great about that decision, um, because I realized that, that, man, he's an elder at a church like 12, 15 minutes from the house, and so we, we, we ended up checking out Grace, and, and we landed here. We're home. Um, and, and I felt good about the decision to cyberstalk him. I thought it was wise and seemed good. I also thought that, that it would stay just between my wife and I. The world doesn't need to know about something like that, you know? Uh, but... When we finally came to Grace and landed here, one of the first or second times we met Gary, um, my wife, being who she is, thank you, honey, she just told Gary, you know, my husband cyberstalked you. That's how we ended up here. <laughs> and so it was a little awkward. He laughed, thankfully. He thought it was, um, he thought it was kind of funny. Um, but I heard just last week that uh, my wife is also um, telling everybody in the essentials and membership classes, which she helps facilitate, this same story. So I thought I'd get out ahead of the story, just come clean with it now. That's what happened. And that's how we got here. Um, but I tell you all of that because um, Gary is, is one of those guys to me um, that is an amazing, godly, wise, and gifted man who I look up to in the faith. Um... Last week, when Gary was preaching, he was talking about what it means to be blameless before God, and he said, he said this. He said, approval or maturity in the family of Yahweh depends increasingly on my faithfulness in living out the life he has given me. His spirit, his body, and his encouragement um, help me to do this. Gary Breshears is one of those guys within the body of Christ that helped me do this. He's like my big brother in the faith, and I look up to him. I respect him. Um, I pray that by God's grace, one day when I'm his age, I'll be just like him, only a little taller, I don't know. Um, but he's one of those guys that, that he helps me to be more faithful by, by the way that he teaches and, and preaches so faithfully here at the church. Um, through his encouragement to me in relationship uh, uh, some years later, of course, I, I joined the elder team. Gary and I have now become friends, um, but he also, he also helps me to be more faithful, um, to live out my faith better, just by the example that he is to me. He's a great, um, great man. And as we continue in our study today in the book of Philippians, we're going to be looking at the lives of three guys, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, who are like Gary Breshears. These are guys we should look up to, guys we should want to be like. And the reason is, is because they look like Jesus, and so with that said, I'm going to pray um, again and then we will, uh, we'll start unpacking this text here. So let's, let's pray, bow your heads with me. Uh, Father, thank you for this morning. God, it's been such an incredible time of worship already. I thank you for your love, I thank you for your grace, I thank you for your spirit, I thank you for your son that you sent to die for us and, and to be buried and to be raised again three days later. Uh, Lord, I pray for your spirit now. I pray that God, your spirit would move freely in this room, um, mightily in and among and through all of around of, all around us, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would do some work in our hearts. That Father, we would leave here changed because we've experienced the living God. I thank you for your word, how it teaches, instructs, um, encourages, corrects us in our thinking. Lord, I pray you would do that this morning with all of us, myself included. And, and Father, we just love you. Thank you for this time that we have um, to freely worship you and to, to study about who you are. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is uh, Philippians chapter two. We're starting picking up in verse 19. Again, the setting is Paul's in prison um, in, in Rome, I believe. Um, Timothy and Epaphroditus are there with him and, and, and he starts this way. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves um, could not give me. This is such a great a great um, section of scripture. And I think this whole section sort of centers around this verse. Um, verse 21, Paul says this, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not, the interest, or not those of Jesus Christ. In the original language when this was written, this statement, everyone looks out for their own interests, would have read more like everyone looks out for their own blank. And so you can fill in the blank. Interest captures that idea, but, but you can fill in the blank with whatever it is for you. Everyone looks out for their own financial security. Everyone looks out for their own physical health. Everyone looks out for their own relationships. Everyone looks out for their own comfort. And it's staggering to me when I think about the fact that Paul says um, everyone here, because when I think of this idea about somebody who looks like this, that looks out only for themselves, I don't really think of people inside of the church. Um, but if you remember with me, who, who, Paul, who this letter was written to, it was written to the church at Philippi. This is chapter one, verse one. He says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, they're writing this letter to all God's holy people with the overseers and deacons. So Paul is not writing this to those people outside of the church. Paul is writing this to the, to the family of God. And, and this is something to me that, that is so convicting. As I've been studying this out the last couple of weeks, it's been so personally convicting because there's been so, several places where God has shown me, Sean, right here, you look out for just your own interests. And then, and then over here, Sean, there's something, and then over here, there's another place. And man, it's been hard. It's been hard for me the last couple of weeks as I've prepared to preach this morning because, because I've just had to face the reality that, that maybe I don't look out for other interests as much as I'd like to. We have a friend of ours, a family friend who is a, um, a young woman, she's single, And she uh, just recently in the last few weeks delivered um, premature twin babies. And those babies are currently in in one of the ICUs in town um, because they're premature, they're they're too young really to live outside of mom's belly without help and so uh, they need help so they're in the ICU. And for those of you that don't know, um, in in one of my paid jobs that I I do, I'm a, uh, well actually I only have one paid job, I don't know why I said that. Um, My paid job uh, is I'm a registered nurse in a neonatal ICU in, in town. And so um, my wife and I were planning to go visit this, this friend of ours um, in the hospital to, to just visit her, see how she's doing, and spend some time with her, but, but I'm a guy that likes to be comfortable. And I think most people probably, if they're honest, like to be comfortable. Um, and, and my normal routine after church on Sundays is I go home, um, I get something to eat, I put on the cozy pants. You guys have the cozy pants? You know what I'm talking about? Put on a nice soft t-shirt or sweatshirt, whatever the season is sit down on the couch, maybe there's a football game, Blazer game, something to watch. But the, the, the epitome of Sunday afternoon, the thing I most look forward to is a two-hour coma. Um, I love to take naps. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'm sort of like an old man that way. Um, but but, but uh, No offense, old man, if you like to take naps. Um, I love taking naps. Um, and, and so by Sunday afternoon, I'm, I'm usually tired, you know, it's been a long week. Sunday mornings for me are typically long days, I get up early. And so uh, uh, I get my, the cozy pants on, I'm, I'm ready to go, my wife says, hey, you know, we are going to go up to the hospital and visit, do you want to go now? And I was like, oh, no, I, I need a nap, I mean, we'll go later today maybe, but I got to get this nap in. She's like, I really think we should go now, and I'm like, no, I really think I need a nap, we'll, we'll get there, I mean, it'll be fine. So I laid down in bed, I got cuddled in, blankets pulled up, Uh, I'm doing the whole thing, I'm just getting ready, I'm kinda getting settled in there. And I felt like the Lord was, are you kidding me right now? And I was like, yeah, Lord, I'll go later. I mean, I'm still going, I just need this nap first, right? I gotta get this out of the way and I just need this nap. And, And he was like, you really can't forego a nap for one Sunday afternoon to go visit this young woman who needs some encouragement in her life? And so I really felt like the Lord was saying, Sean, listen, get up off of your bed, put some clothes on, and go to the hospital. And so I did. I got up, I put some, some jeans on, and, and got in the car and went with my wife to the hospital. We visited this young woman and, and just spent an hour, hour and a half with her, not, not a super long time. Um, but it was a good time to spend with her. It was a good time to be with her. And I got to look at, at, at her babies um, from a NICU nurse perspective and just tell her what I saw. Tell her what I saw was going on um, in that moment with her babies. And after I did, I watched her do this. She said to me, that is the first time I feel like I've been able to take a breath since they were bored. And I almost missed out on that because I was so concerned for my own interests. Paul says everyone looks out for their own interests and if we're not careful, that's all we can end up doing is look out for our own interests. Because here's the thing, if you love Jesus, if you've put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus, it is impossible to serve him without serving other people, it just is. And so I want to look at three ways that we should be serving. How do we serve like Jesus then? There's three ways that I see um, how that happens. And the first is here in chapter, or excuse me, uh, verse 22. It says, Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. What I see Timothy doing here is serving with humility. Timothy is serving with humility. Paul describes a relationship with Timothy like a son. Many of you have kids. Many of you have sons, um, I remember when my son Spencer was a little little guy. This was at our old church. We had a large church property. And so um, one of the things that, that, that we needed help doing was to mow the church property through the spring, summer, and fall as the grass would grow. And so that was one of the things I did at the church, mow the lawn. It was a fairly large property, so it took like four hours or so to mow the lawn. And sometimes my wife would uh, uh, come up and see me partway through and bring me something cold to drink or whatever if it was a nice hot day. <clears throat> And so this one time I'm out there mowing the lawn and, and uh, I see them pull into the parking lot and I'm excited to see them and they come over and my son gets out of the car and he's super pumped. He's just like really excited about, about getting to be there with us and um, I go over and he, he hops out of the car and he really wants to get on the tractor and so I get him up on the tractor and uh, <clears throat> we start driving. We start mowing the lawn. And, and my hands are kind of there by his, but he's really doing the steering, doing the driving. And I'm explaining to him, you know, like, go over here. I need you to drive over here now. Okay, next time we're going to go back and go around that tree. Don't run over the cat. Do, do what you can to keep doing things the way you need to be. Um, my son was serving with me for the work of the gospel, yeah, we're just mowing the lawn, but, but it was important work to do. It needed to get done. And he was serving with me in humility because he was willing to submit to my direction. He was willing to submit to my leadership um, in that moment. And that's what Paul's talking about here. We need to be serving with humility. And so I think serving with humility involves submission in kind of three areas of our life. But before I get into that, I wanna talk about what do I mean by submission. Because uh, biblical submission and the way that our, our, our culture defines submission are completely different aren't they? Um, the way our culture defines submission is, is if I tell you you need to submit to me, what you hear is I'm telling you to shut up and do what, I'm, do what you're told. But, but that's not what biblical submission is at all. And I think the best picture that we have of biblical submission, um, we see in the life of Jesus. This is in Mark chapter 14. Jesus is getting ready to go to um, the cross. He is on his way to get arrested. And so he stops at this garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he spends some time there with his disciples and he spends some time in prayer. And this is what Jesus says. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Have you ever been overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death? And then he says, a little bit later, he says, Abba, Father. This is like Jesus crying out, Daddy. And then he says, take this cup for me, yet not what I will, but what you will. What Jesus is doing here is he's making his feelings known. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. He's making his request known because Jesus knows what's coming. He knows the cross is coming. He knows the beatings that are coming. He knows the shame that's coming. He knows the humiliation that's coming. And so he says, Father, if there's any other way, but then he says, not what I will, what you will. What he's doing there is he's putting all of his faith in God the Father. That's biblical submission, not roll over and do what I tell you to do but I'm gonna tell you what my feelings are, I'm gonna tell you what I like, and then I'm gonna put my trust and my faith in, in, in whatever it is that you decide. That's what serving with humility looks like. It involves submitting. Um, and I think it involves submitting in, in, in three areas. The first area is, is just submitting to the word of God. This seems like kind of a duh thing to say in church, but, but I think it needs to be said. Our culture is constantly pushing and pressing and, and pulling on us in such a way that, that sometimes I think we, be, we can begin to even doubt what God's word says and wondered if what he says is actually true and right and good like he says it is. And I think sometimes if we come across things inside of scripture that maybe we don't like that much or feel counterculture or, or feel just too hard to live out, we try to ignore those pieces. Sometimes we just cherry-pick out the verses we like. God is love, yep, I like that. But stop sinning, uh, eh, I don't know. We need to be submitting our lives to the word of God. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And so what that means is that, that we need to be regularly and continually spending time in the word of God and submitting to what it says. Whatever it says. And one of the ways that, that God has convicted me in the last couple of weeks is, well, how do I look out for my own interests in this area? Well, sometimes I'm just tired. Or life is chaotic. Or I just need to kind of mentally check out. And instead of going to the very words of life, the things that I most need, time in the word, I'll choose to just turn on the TV instead. We need to be submitting our lives um, to the word of God. We also need to be submitting our lives and submitting to and under um, solid biblical teaching. Um, that's what's happening right now. When we come to church on Sunday morning, it's one of the disciplines of God. It's formative discipline. We sit under the word of God. We learn about God. We learn what God says from the word. And it's declared and preached to us by a preacher. That's what we do. At, that's one of the things we do at Church. Um, but, but it needs to be more than an exercise of what we do on Sunday morning. We can't come on Sunday morning and listen and hear and then leave the building and have it have no impact on our lives whatsoever. That doesn't make any sense. If that's the case, really, we're just wasting time here. And so one of the things we do to serve in humility is we submit to the, to the word as it's being proclaimed. Proclaimed. The, the last area that I think we need to be submissive in is, is submitting to biblical church leadership, to, to church authority, to elders, to pastors. It feels a little bit weird to say that because I'm one of the elders, I'm one of the pastors, one of the preachers here. Um, but, but the reality is, is there's kind of two sides to, to the story. This is what Paul's talking about when, when uh, in verse 29, he tells the Philippian church to honor people like Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was one of their pastors. And Paul says, you need to honor people like him. Um, the, the two sides I see to this um, are a challenge for those of us in leadership because I can promise you um, without question, myself and all of the other elders included, we're not looking for honor. That's not our goal. Our goal is to love and serve Jesus with all that we are and to love and serve you with all that we are. We don't wanna, we don't wanna serve you um, uh, uh, and as, a, as a ruler over you. We want to serve alongside and with you, but we're still in in leadership over you. And so what that means for us is that we want to be men who, who live a life worthy of that honor. We want to be men who, who live up to that, that would deserve honor, because we want to please the Lord and we want to serve you well. But the other uh, side of that coin is, is, is I just want to take a moment and thank you. Um, be, because... As a whole, in general, when I think about Grace Community Church, I am overwhelmed um, with gratitude for who you are, because you are a church that loves and serves and follows and submits to our leadership. You trust us. I want to thank you for that. Um, It's no small thing, and and I want you to know that we don't take that lightly. Um, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for the way that you trust us, for the way that you love us, the way that you serve alongside of us. So thank you for that, Grace Community Church. As one of your, your elders, one of your pastors, um, I see you doing well in that area of serving um, with humility. The other thing we need to be doing, another thing we be, need to be doing is serving in community. Um, serving in community. Look at what he says here in verses uh, 25 and 26. I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother My coworker, my fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, you sent him to take care of my needs. He longs for all of you. Do you hear the community-mindedness going on here? Um, There's community here. You hear about Epaphroditus' love for his church in his community. He's so worried about them because they're worried about him. It's community, man. And that's why we're all about that here. That's why we're so um, into team. That's why we have elder teams and preaching teams and leadership teams. It's why we have small groups If you're not in a small group, man, get into a small group. It is one of the best ways that you can plug into the life of the local church. It's where you're going to find that community you're looking for. Grace, by God's grace, has grown in numbers. One of the downsides of that is it's a little bit harder to connect. And so this is one of those ways that, that you can still connect with people's real lives. Get involved serving together. Get involved doing things together. Because it's in that community that we build those relationships, that we build the family of God. This is one of the most um, incredible and beautiful things to me about the gospel of Jesus, and I've said this up here before, but it is the family of God that we have in Christ. Um, For for, for some of you, um, you you appreciate that and think about that. I think for people like me who who have a little bit um, not so nice family of origin, there was a lot of sin, there was a lot of brokenness, there was a lot of hurt, there was a lot of pain. And so for me personally, when I think about the family of God, my brothers and sisters in Christ, they are one of the most precious things to me. And I wanna serve well in community um, with them, with you. A couple of weeks ago I was um, in this stage where I was just not feeling very good. Um, Not physically, more mentally and emotionally and even spiritually. Um, Nothing was going on at work that that was causing problems. Things at home were okay. There wasn't like some big major thing that had happened, but I was just struggling. I was, I was feeling down. I was feeling a little bit depressed. I was even struggling on Sunday morning to, to feel like I re- was really excited and energetic about coming to church. Yeah, sometimes pastors feel that way too. You might be there this morning. And I, I honestly didn't know why. I talked to God about it. I'm not sure what, what to do about this, Lord. I don't know what to do. But on my way home from work that, that morning, I, I was talking to my, to my best friend, Billy Cash. Um, many of you know him, great man. Um, he was our, our college and worship pastor here um, uh, for years. He's now down in Texas with, his, with uh, another church he's serving down there. But I'm on the phone with Billy and, and I'm talking to him and, and he's, he's, he's talking to me and, and he's asking me about how I'm doing. And so I just started sharing honestly with him, which, which is what happens when you get in community with people. You can be real with each other. And so I'm sharing with him where I'm at, how I'm feeling, and he, he doesn't say anything profound, he doesn't, doesn't give me any big, great, life-changing advice, he just listened to me. He asked me questions about how I was feeling and where I was at. And then he said, Sean, can I just pray for you, man? I said, of course. And so there in my living room, by myself, phone on the ear, he's a couple thousand miles away, I don't know if he was in his car, or whatever he was doing, he just starts praying for me. I mean, he's praying for me, he's praying over me, he, he's, he's asking God's spirit to break into my heart and life in such a way that, that whatever's going on will I we'll be freed from. He's praying for me that I'd be a better husband and a better father, a better pastor, that I would serve you better. And it was incredible. When we said amen at the end of that prayer, this r- amazing weight was just gone off of my life. I, I was ready to, to get back in the fight, I was ready to get back in the game. And that kind of thing only happens when we're in community with one another. That kind of thing only happens when we're real with each other's lives. And so one of the things we need to do to serve like Jesus is to, to, to serve like this way. So I wanna ask you to do something this morning. I want you to look around at each other for a minute. It's one of those things that preachers say and you're sort of obligated to, to do it because I'm up here and I'm staring at you. So seriously, look around at each other for a second. Turn, turn the head on the neck and look at each other. What I want you to notice um, in these seats is the fact that they are filled with people. They're not numbers. They're not some random thing sitting there. They're people. And those people have souls, and those people have lives, and they have problems and struggles and successes and joys and everything in between, just like you do. And so my question for you this morning is, what could happen if this week you made yourself available to be a brother or a sister or a mother, or a father, or a friend in Jesus to those people. Some people in this room are in such a state in their life that they're literally hanging them by a string. And they're not sure how they're gonna get through this next week. And maybe a simple text message from you that says, hey, I love you, I care about you, I'm, I'm praying for you. Or hey, how are things going? Is there anything I can do to help? Maybe that's gonna change everything for them. Maybe that's gonna take this weight off of them that they need help knowing that there is a brother or a sister, somebody in Christ that's with them, that's willing to serve with them in community. Um, I'd challenge you to do that this week. Think of two or three people that you could do that with Um, because the reality is it's not just paid pastors who are called to do this sort of thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, then that means he has put his spirit inside you. That means that that spirit dwells in you, calling you to and empowering you to be a minister of the gospel, to bring the good news of Jesus into people's lives wherever they're at. So we need to be about doing that. And one thing I love about grace, backpack blessings like we talked about this morning, this is something grace is known for. But, but, but what if every single person that comes through the doors of grace on a given weekend, I don't know what the numbers are, somewhere between 1,000 and 1,200, what if 1,200 people took this seriously every single day of their lives? What would that do in our city, in our community? We might even be able to do what my big brother Gary says all the time. We might even be able to change the world. This is incredible opportunities we have when we we look out for the interests of others before our own, when we serve with humility and when we serve in community. The last thing I see here in this text is serving wherever and however the Lord calls you. This is something that all three of these guys did, Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus almost died for the work of the gospel. Paul was a guy who was um, a church planter, a pastor, an evangelist, an apostle, he was also the guy who received many severe beatings for the sake of Christ. He was the guy who had gotten stoned. Not like, well, yeah, throw rocks thrown at him. You know what I mean. Uh, he was found himself currently in prison. He had been shipwrecked. Paul had had all kinds of hardships come in his life. And at every turn, wherever he was at, whatever situation he was in, he served the Lord Jesus with all that he was. And my encouragement to you is we need to be like that. So what that means is if you're an auto mechanic in here, then you need to serve like that, serve like Jesus with all that you are. You need to fix cars to the best of your ability with all integrity and honesty. It means if you're a home builder, then you need to build good, strong homes for people to live in. It means if you're a stay-at-home mom, then, then you need to thank God for the time that he's given you to be able to stay home with those babies. You need to teach them about the Lord Jesus. You need to serve your home, serve your husband, serve your kids well. It means if you're a, a principal or a, whatever it is, serve well with all that you are. But it's not just in, in, in those sort of things because sometimes troubles come too, don't they? Um, some of you are, are maybe sitting here thinking, Sean, I'd love to serve well in my job, but I'm unemployed and I don't have a job to serve in right now. And that's a hard place to be. And I don't know what that's gonna mean for your life, but we're still called to serve there too, aren't we? We're still called to be faithful. We're still called to love and serve those around us well to the best of our ability. Some of you are or maybe find yourself in a, in a struggling situation or a struggling um, season in your marriage. I've been there. And what can you do to serve your spouse better this week? What can you do to think about their interests before you think about your own? We need to serve. Well, sometimes I think looking out to the interests of others is also gonna cost you something. Often it does. Time, money, comfort, maybe relationships. This is what Jay was talking about a couple of weeks ago um, when he talked about welcoming the work of the Spirit in our life. It's about going where God asks us to go. It's about serving where he commands us to do, but it's also about confronting sin in our own life, isn't it? Because we all have sin in our life, everybody. We're all, by God's grace, working um, to get rid of the sin and and, and to, to get better and better and better at fighting sin as we grow in the Lord. But there's still that back room tucked back there down the hall in the house that's just filled with crap for some of us. And we don't like to go in that room. We like to, to, to think we live out in the world where the house is tidy and, and nice and, and clean. And, but sometimes we do go in that room, sometimes we indulge in things in that room. My admonition to us is to welcome the spirit of God into your life in such a way that what you do is instead of ignoring that room or pretending like it's not there because you can't hide it from God, maybe this week you invite your father, God, down the hall and you say, Dad, come with me, I gotta show you this. You open the door. You show him all the mess, and you say, God, I need help with this. Will you help me? Will you forgive me? Will you help clean it up? Because that's what our God is about. He is about making all things new. He is about making the wrongs right. He is about putting things back to the way they always should have been. It's why Jesus died on a cross, a terrible, awful awful death, was buried and resurrected three days later to pay the penalty for that sin, for your sin and mine. And I promise you this, if if you go to God that way, and he wants to help you. 1 John 1.9, if you uh, confess your sins, God's faithful and just to forgive you and he's gonna cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What an incredible promise we have. Um, but it's not just about confronting sin in our li- own life. Sometimes welcoming the spirit is about confronting sin in other people's lives as well. And this one can be hard. Um, this is why community is so important because it's important that you build relationships with people in such a way that they know that you care about them. And so what that means is if you feel um, convicted that you need to confront somebody on something, because the fact is, is if you're in community, if the Spirit of God is working in your heart and life, then there may be things in people around you, friends, family members, whatever, that you're concerned about. I've had brothers and sisters come to me in Christ and say, Sean, I'm concerned about this in your life. And so my encouragement to you is to communicate to them how much you love them, how much you care for them. And then in as loving and honest way as you can, Share your concerns with them. This is putting their own interests above your own. And the reason why it is, is because there is nothing, nothing, nothing more loving that you could do than when you confront me on my own sin. Think about that for a minute. But it needs to be done in the right way, with the right heart and the right attitude. So check your motives, check your heart, pray for the situation, pray for the person before, during, and after. But be honest with them. Be willing to love them well enough to be honest with them. Um, it's not easy to do, but it's so, so important. Um, Paul is telling us and showing us in this text what it means to look out for the interests of others. I'm gonna say this again. It is impossible, if you're a follower of Jesus, to serve the Lord Jesus without serving other people as well. And the reason is because of something we looked at a couple of weeks ago. This is at the beginning of this chapter, Philippians 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. and Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What this is basically is the gospel. This is the gospel, and that is why um, we celebrate communion. And we celebrate communion because we want to declare the gospel of Jesus again and again and again and again because we all need that every single day in our lives. And when we come to this little simple meal of a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice, we're told inside of scripture that what we're doing is declaring, um, declaring what God did on the cross, declaring not only that but what he is currently doing in humanity and also declaring what he will do when he returns one day for all of us. Hallelujah, man.